I am recording at 120 BPM. How, how, where do you see this? <laughs> so if you go up to the oh, top of beats, yeah, beats and go to beats and project. Uh, oh, beats and, and project. Got it. Um, yeah, I'm at 120 as well. Okay, cool. I'm also in C major, uh, four, four time signature. Good to know. Good to know. All, all, all good things. Uh, you know, C major. Uh, I, I like to think that we're actually talking um, in A minor, which is the relative minor of the C major scale. So all the same notes, but just arranged differently so that they sound sad. Oh, I did download uh, the Musician app yesterday. <laughs> it's it's one of the like learn piano or well, actually I think they do guitar, ukulele, uh, maybe bass, vocals mm-hmm. and piano. And um, yeah, because I have a piano, as you can see, no one yes. listening can, but I, I have a, a piano. I grew up playing piano and I have never, ever been good at it. I <laughs> took lessons almost consistently from ages six to 18 and I still mm-hmm. suck at it. Um, and I especially now, like, I don't remember a lot of like theory and chords and I'd love to get to a point where I just like could improv a little bit and like, you know, I could like do parodies of pop songs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do enjoy playing it, um, yeah. but the musician app is is fun because it kind of feels like a phone game, but also you're getting better at piano. Very interesting. Yeah, the- I'm still on the free version. I'm I'm not committing quite yet. This episode was brought to you by Musician. <laughs> yes, Click- please. <laughs> use use code bigger sixty nine to get a free upgrade to the pro version. <laughs> Man, if not we ever really. get sponsorships, we've got to try to ask if that can be. Yeah, we have to, we have to make, make all of the codes inappropriate. <laughs> Speaking uh, of, let's start the show. Let's, let's start this the up. show. And three, two, one, go. I forget who starts talking. You do. Oh, I do. All right. And hello, and welcome to Everything's Bigger, special quarantine edition. <laughs> We're in isolation. Oh, God. Uh, it's a podcast about masculinity for dudes of all genders who ask why. And you know, when you look at the concept of masculinity, it's a whole lot like a birthday cake. Uh, on the outside, you see something that's uniform. It's frosted, maybe a little bit decorated, you know, kind of adorned. But as soon as you cut that bitch open, you see that there's layers. You see that there's different kinds of filling, different kinds of cake sometimes. Maybe there's some sprinkles. And then it, you really, you know, kind of run with that idea and you think that like, Nothing's as simple on the sur- uh, nothing's as simple as it appears on the surface. And then you got to ask yourself the real big question. Is birthday cake flavored stuff just cake flavored or are there a thousand different flavors of birthday cake? And that's kind of how I think about masculinity. There's layers to it and there's a bunch of different ways for it to be, for it to exist. I mean, what even makes it a birthday cake, like a cake, a birthday cake? I guess just the fact that we say it's for a birthday. In the same way, the only way to be any gender is to say that you are, to identify, to innately feel it, you know, just like a birthday cake. You just, you have to, you have to assign the birthdayness at bake. Right. Yeah. The cake must assign it unto itself. Yes. 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 The claim. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We got deep right there at the start. Well, (laughs) (laughs) in any case, I'm Jackson Bird. And I'm Bo Mendez. And today... Quite on topic to this birthday cake, uh, we are talking about turning 30, uh, as we will both be 30 next month uh, in May, but you know, we were were always going to do this episode, and then a little thing happened, you might have heard about it. (laughs) Things changed. There's a pandemic happening, 
and so that's you know that that is we're going to discuss how that has sort of changed our our thoughts and feelings on turning 30 right. um, but one thing i do want to say with regards to the to the pandemic right at the start is uh if you were listening to this and you hear any difference in audio quality from usual or if you're watching on youtube and you're like where are your faces uh it is because we live in new york city so we are both in lockdown we are in our separate apartments um across the city from each other fortunately Mm -hmm. unrelated to this podcast within the last several months we both got nicer microphones uh, which mm-hmm. has enabled us to to do this remotely. But yeah, we are in isolation. We are self-quarantining. We hope that all of you are as well, that you're staying home unless you have to go out if you're an essential that, worker. That's right. If you've gathered together in a large group to listen to this podcast, you're doing it wrong. You're letting Bill de Blasio down. You're letting Andrew <laughs> Cuomo down. You're letting Dr. Oxidis Bardo down. You're letting Cardi B down. And you're letting us down. So stay safe yeah. out there, folks. <laughs> I mean, you know, in general, I would love the idea that there were people who actually gathered together to listen to this podcast. Because <laughs> yeah. first of all, that doesn't even happen to podcasts that often. There are like do, podcast I, listen parties. I mean, I do remember like back in like 2010, my friends and I used to get together in like a dorm room to listen to Radio Lab together. That's and, and it was such a wonder. It felt like listening to the radio back in the day. That, yeah, you know, back in the day that none of us were alive for. But gather around, we're going to listen to the radio show. But first, and, we have to listen to Franklin Delano Roosevelt give one of his famous fireside chats, <laughs> sponsored by soap. But I want to listen to the new Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> oh, remember man, to drink your Ovaltine. Oh, dude. Don't knock Ovaltine. I love me so Ovaltine. No, that was just the uh, in a Christmas story. That's just yeah. the thing on the radio. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no. If you if you are doing that, I do not approve in this instance. Please do not gather together right. to listen to this podcast. Do not gather and, together to do anything. And uh, to go back it's to within your own home. Exactly. Uh, to go back to something that Jack said actually has got me thinking about you know if you're if you're not an essential worker, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to say like. If you are an essential worker, and we've definitely learned at this time the flexibility of what essential really means, mm-hmm. I, I am among the lucky that can do my job from home, but I know there's a lot of people out there that cannot, and at least in this city, we are learning very quickly just how much we really rely on you. So if, if you're yeah. one of those folks, medical worker, grocery store, stock person, bodega owner, you know, HVAC delivery engineer. driver, any of those things, just thank you and stay safe. And uh, thanks for doing what you do. And we'll, we'll try to do our part to, to quash this, squash this. Yeah, and I know, you know, one thing I keep seeing a lot of folks saying, especially people like, like grocery store workers, is, uh, you know, one thing that we can be doing is – uh, during and especially after this, talking to our Congress people and and fighting for fair wages and trying to increase the wages of everyone who we now know and deeply realize how essential they are and they they deserve to earn a living wage and benefits and have all all the rights that uh, people in other industries do. Yeah, I'd really like to see somebody tell me with a straight face now that somebody who's like making sure that you can buy sixteen rolls of toilet paper on your next trip to fucking Costco doesn't deserve fifteen dollars an hour. But that's for another day. Yeah, we only <laughs> we do a whole episode on workers' rights if we want some time. <laughs> oh man, this is this is like you're, you're, people are about to see like the dawn of of finally radicalized Bo. <laughs> I, <laughs> finally I, radicalized. I, I've been like a, like a left leaning centrist for all of my life, and now I'm just like, nah, man. Like, let's, let's take to the streets when we can. <laughs> Not at the moment, though. Right, yes. Oh, I did see. I didn't like this. I saw a headline, admittedly didn't read it, um, that there are some 
anti-abortion activists who are trying to sue, I believe, the state of North Carolina because they can't gather to protest. And I'm just like, no. That sucks. It's an interesting thing because would you say that a shelter-in-place order is technically a violation of of the right to protest? But it's also not like it's it's not a congressional thing. So like that's where the mm-hmm. First Amendment kind of like falls flat. I don't know. I'm not a con law professor anymore. Not in this life. Uh, but yeah, that, <laughs> that 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 really is is that's a dick move. Yeah, it was uh you know just one of the many many wild things that is happening right now. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I love speculative fiction, uh, and one of the things that I love about it is that you can come up with this one like one change in the world, mm-hmm. and then you just gotta you you consider all of the different things that happen from it, yeah. and all the things that you never really would have thought of before challenging yourself to think of that, and that is feels like what we're living through right now. Yeah, I always think that like good sci-fi and good speculative fiction boils down to a what if question. Mm-hmm. And so it's not now right now we're listen we're experiencing what if can't talk to people in person? Yeah. And you know what's funny is for everything um there is a community there is a subset of experts who are like, "Yes, we've been telling you this forever." You mm-hmm. know, like like th- I don't think there's a single thing that someone didn't have on their bingo card um yeah like i think definitely like the people who have always been organizing for like workers rights are like well yes you fucking see now Mm -hmm. and then people talking about like how fragile the medical infrastructure is is like well duh Mm -hmm. so everything it's it's all it's all laid bare it's very raw right now yeah no it it is very raw And, and this whole episode will not be about that we promise because we do want it to be a little bit escapist right um, but it is the elephant in the room at the same time like it, it's exactly like a positive of this is that the fact that we can do this like right yeah. now we're in two separate zip codes we're separated by i mean to be fair this is new york city two apartments down from me is a separate zip code <laughs> right i know <laughs> no, a, i was i was starting to inflate the scale you know like we're, we're technically separated by newtown creek you know we have a whole body of water running between where we are uh numerous highways and roadways mm-hmm. and all that, all that kind of infrastructure, and yet here we are, at least still being able to have this conversation together. Yeah, together, but not together. Remote connecting. Be apart uh, now, so we can all be together later. Yes. Oh, there is. Um, there's a, a great artist on Instagram. He had a, a thing that said, "April distance brings May existence." <laughs> it's a little bit grim, but also nice. Well, it's also like true <laughs> like like yeah it, it, it makes it makes sense um but yeah so to kind of like i don't know hone in zoom in on what it is that we we normally would talk about when not under the the conditions of a pandemic but at the same time still address that that's where we are um i want to how can we see the impact of masculinity on the circumstances that were seeing right now and also vice versa the impact of the pandemic circumstances on men and masculine identifying people and our notions of masculinity yeah i mean in so many ways and in kind of what we were just talking about of how there's like there's so many different fallout factors that you wouldn't have imagined and i think that that is true when you're looking at you know men as a as a population as a demographic um you know i think a, a big thing that has been on a lot of people's minds is is mental health and 
you know, a lot of people who were even proactive in, in trying to treat their mental health might be having problems not being able to, like, see a therapist or go to a support group or access prescriptions. But mm-hmm. uh, men are kind of, to generalize, worse at seeking out that help and so might and, and, you know, worse at talking to people in their lives. And I think a lot of men are probably really struggling with that right now and struggling with the pressures of feeling like, uh, you know, they need to maybe support a family when they've lost a job. I think we've got that side of things for sure. Um, and whether that is a part of this other thing or not, the other thing being something that I have been seeing a lot is that men are apparently uh, affected by coronavirus worse. They're not necessarily being infected more than uh, other genders, although we will have to say binary men and women because that's what's tracked by medical records. Yeah, that's um, a whole other thing that I want to get into at some point. I would in... love to discuss one element of that. Okay. <laughs> well, but let me, we'll just fin- uh, finish saying of, of uh, men are basically, you know, one of the scary things about coronavirus is that you know, a bunch of people are asymptomatic, don't have any symptoms at all. Some people get it in very mild amounts if they are affected. You know, you mm-hmm. can recover at home. Some people get very, very sick. And at first, everyone was like, oh, it's just the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions, as if that's not a problem, first of all. Right, yeah. Um, but we have now seen that it's more equal opportunity type of virus. And mm-hmm. the extreme um, conditions and, and, and the deaths can happen to anyone, even if they are otherwise totally healthy and younger and, and what have you. Um and one thing that we're seeing with that is that it does seem like men are the ones who are having those extreme situations more often uh, and, and dying in higher numbers. And so that's a scary thing. Yeah. And, and not even just men, but like I remember, I guess this was maybe a week ago, I was looking some at some numbers and it was men in our age group. It was like men 18 to 44 because I know that when, yeah. when this whole thing started, I know that it's it is callous to be like, oh, it's only people that aren't me. But at the same time, that survival instinct can kick in and be like, oh, it's only mm-hmm. people that aren't me. And you feel like you can, you know, maybe be more proactive and get out there and help or maybe make yourself available for other things that other folks wouldn't be able to do. And then I see those numbers and it's like, oh, shit, no, this is that's that's not the case. Uh, in fact, it's it's the inverse. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to a degree. Um, and so, like, it just makes me wonder, like. Like for me, I, 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 I had a bit of an axe to grind when this was all starting off. I wonder how much of it is behaviorally related uh, just because like I can't count the number of times that I've been in like a, an arena bathroom, a venue bathroom, a museum bathroom, any <laughs> other kind of bathroom uh, and see that like I'm the only guy who's properly washing my hands. Yeah. And I and always I, feel and I, so self-conscious that I'm going to get clocked because I'm washing my hands. Well, I, I, I even even I even say properly with like quote fingers around it because like until until this moment in time I was like a five second soap and water scrubber, and now I'm like Bo, an intense. It was like a year ago <clears throat> that I told you about the singing the ABCs twice thing. I know, and and I <laughs> and I was I filed it away as in like when am I ever going to need this? And you know what? I'm fucking great at washing my damn hands now. <laughs> but it made me think about all the times where um, I'll never forget. There is a guy uh, that I used to work with, and if he's listening, I'm not trying to drag him or anything like that. We were we were young, working retail together, and he was like, "Yeah, it's it's my own junk." Why, why would I wash my hands after touching that? Yeah, it's, I've it's, heard it's that inherent, so much. It's inherently clean. And 
I was like, you know what? He's got a point. And then I thought about the bathroom that we were using at this store. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to, you want to want to wash your hands after like walking past it. Um, yeah. The two, two, two responses to that, that I have. One is the, I have sometimes had the same thing, especially within my own home, maybe where I'm like, I didn't, I didn't really like touch anything. Like mm-hmm. I don't, but then I'm like, well, one should wash one's hands multiple times throughout the day. So I see it more as like, oh, this is the time that I am at a sink with soap and I will mm-hmm. wash my hands, not so much because of anything that just happened. Um, but the other thing is, yeah, public bathrooms are freaking gross. And occasionally, I have not washed my hands in public bathrooms because I feel like I will get dirtier if I do. So I just go <laughs> use some hand sanitizer outside of the bathroom. Yeah, and now hand sanitizer has equal value to gold. Um, Although like, it's not a replacement for washing your hands, I will say. This is true. Uh, we've, 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 if you haven't seen it, look up the blacklight photos. This has actually yeah. been like really uh, validating for me. Because I was like, well, I should, should I be using some sort of like heavy duty sort of stuff? And it's like, nah, dude, soap emulsifies all the gross shit on your hands and washes it away. It, mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be good. Um, but yeah, so it just got me thinking about behavioral things. You know, yeah. um, are men less likely to be taking care of themselves in that basic hygienic way? And we've seen the importance of not, to, of not wash, uh, washing your hands, the importance of touching your face and all that sort of stuff and how it leads to spreading this, uh, you know, uh, big old open mouth coughs, huge lion roar sneezes, uh, <laughs> getting in, getting up in people's faces and yelling. And, I, and I'm, I'm casting a really wide net. Usually when I talk about men's behavior i kind of like have a an asterisk that's like toxic masculinity behavior and i think that all of those are kind of within that umbrella um so i i'm thinking about that but i'm also thinking about kind of dovetailing what you you were saying about uh mental health i'm also also thinking about is maybe one of the reasons why you see these more severe cases these more cases of uh intense hospitalizations and potentially deaths because men tend to be raised to not ask for help and to yeah. not let somebody know that they're feeling sick. Yeah, I think I think when we talk about behavior, there's totally those two sides of it, of one that can sound kind of like chastising of men and one that is a little bit more empathetic of men. And the one is like, oh, men are like too pig-headed to take this seriously. And the other is like, you know, men have been conditioned not to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I th- and I think like, both are true in different elements for for different people and and stuff but like yeah i mean i think it's interesting of there's sort of all of these behavioral ways that could maybe contribute um i know we both read a a couple of articles because we're both very curious Mm -hmm. and concerned when we saw these uh reports coming out that like oh men are men are dying more than women uh at least in u.s reports i uh was very curious when i saw that of where i fell on mm-hmm. that um because there are some th- like behavior wise i don't know not sure where i fall behavior wise i get i guess i need to do some self self-assessment on that on that one well you got but nothing but time <laughs> yeah uh but if we're talking about um biology and physiology it's like okay well it depends what they think the cause of this is mm-hmm. uh, and so i was doing some reading and there's a couple of different theories. One is that I guess the like immunity, immune, I don't know, something about your immune system is coded onto the X chromosome. Right. Uh, and so that's one theory as to why people who are born with two X chromosomes, uh, which is majority women, are more immune to a lot of things. 
Uh, and now, like most humans, I have not had my chromosomes analyzed, but I believe that I probably mm-hmm. have uh, two X chromosomes. So I was like, okay, so that's good for me. Uh, <laughs> not not in the scary category there. But then the other thing that I saw was another theory is that um, uh, changes in hormones affect uh, affect it too. So apparently some studies have shown that estrogen is also more helpful for immunity. Um, I guess on previous SARS viruses, there were some trials done with mice where uh, they either removed their ovaries, which is the source of estrogen, um, or I, I think that, that that is what they did, and those mice were then more susceptible to SARS. Wow. Um, yeah, and I was like, okay, so on that side of things, like I take synthetic, synthetic testosterone, so my testosterone levels are like a cis man's uh, equivalent mm-hmm. to that and my estrogen are really low so i was like okay i lose out on that one but that's that's what's complicated about all these things uh being a trans person just like headline like men are you know more susceptible to extreme reactions to coronavirus and i'm like cool i don't know where i fall yeah and and you kind of like see that it, it's it's sort of a weird thing and i can already hear like turf echoes coming through the walls of like you know, biology is biology. And then mm-hmm. I hear biologists coming through the walls being like, actually, biology is fucking complicated, bro. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it it is interesting to see kind of the overlap between like how journalism, the societal practice, uh, another way of humans attempt to categorize and quantify and, you know, make sense of the world is kind of superimposing itself over what's going on within our bodies in physiology and it's kind yeah. of like flattening things into a binary when it's not going to be that simple and it's yeah, going to vary wanna, from person to person yeah we don't want to flatten complicated ideas uh we want to flatten, the, flatten curve. the fucking curve that's what we're working on we're coming for you curve we're gonna wash our hands yeah stay yeah. home when we can <laughs> i i also kind of like that is a really interesting thing to think about because then you also have like what if there are there are plenty of cis men who have different levels of their hormones in their body mm-hmm. and i'm i'm saying this as somebody who eats a shit ton of fake meat and i've been i've read from different <laughs> sources that that increases your levels of estrogen because of the introduction of plant estrogen into your body which could be bullshit a lot of things are likely to be bullshit when it comes from certain sources but it does make me wonder like okay, do I no longer, like, is, 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 are things more complicated for even a cis person like me? Like, it would be really fascinating if you were at some point after all this is over and we can go for elective procedures at healthcare places <laughs> again, uh, if you, like, just got some blood work done and could see what your testosterone levels were, I'd be fascinated to just compare. Because <laughs> I have to get that done uh, twice a year, so I know. Well, and especially, like, there, there is, like, that toxic side of cis men to that you know, they, they ascribe all these behaviors to being low T. Oh like, yeah. 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 And like, you know, I, I, this is all, this is all much like you said about like the chromosomes and whatnot, who the fuck is out there regularly testing their T if they don't have to. Mm-hmm. And just like all these, there are so many men that just like make this assumption that like their behavior, the way that they are as a person is just because they're just like, chock full of testosterone my guy coming out the ears with that shit so i don't i don't even know i'm not sure where i'm going with that 
So as we're recording, you know, I am in my, my home office, which is a corner of my bedroom, and I'm right next to all of my gender theory books, and I have here uh, The Trouble with Testosterone, which is a book of essays on biology and the human predicament by Robert Sapolsky. <laughs> with what appears to be Mighty Mouse on the cover? Uh, yes, I haven't read all the essays, so I'm not sure. Fantastic. The, uh, it, makes yeah. it, look, it makes it look like a kid's book. The, the alliterative title <laughs> and Mighty Mouse on the cover is like, okay, all right, kids, The Trouble you with You know, I feel like you find that with a lot of... Um, science writers books is you know they're really into the puns and the alliteration and things like mm -hmm. that i don't completely have a point to make with that i just wanted to show off that i had a, a book analyzing testosterone <laughs> uh to just to go along with your point of yeah. like you know there is just so much that we we say about it and things that we attribute to it uh, and when you dive into the science it's not that the science necessarily debunks everything mm -hmm. but it does just show that uh it's a bit more complicated one might say that everything's bigger when you get up close and really dive in <gasps> he said the name of the movie no that, that that's like that's been like my my life's realization is that all the things that we do whether it's scientific exploration or philosophy or you know sociology or something like that all we ever really learn from it is that shit is complex mm -hmm. and i feel like we then end up doubling back as a society to try and take these things that we've learned from whatever discipline, distill them down into factoids and be like, no, it's actually quite simple. You know, we see that in, in like economics. Oh, it's, just, it's simple, man. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Or, mm. you know, you see this in, in government. Oh, it's it, it's simple, man. Like the the people people don't want a strong central government and that sort of stuff. And then you look at the actual theory of people who have spent devoted their entire lives to unpacking this stuff, whether it's any, you know, the, those two disciplines are especially science, I feel. Mm. And all they're ever really finding is like, Oh no, there's, there's more to learn mm -hmm. there. And, and the categories that we've set up or the ways of thinking about it that we've ascribed to for X number of years, no longer really apply in their entirety. We got to kind of like stretch it out. We got to blow it up a little bit and, see how we can make sense of these new complications you know think about like at, at, at some point the 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 smallest particle that we knew existed was the atom and then we got inside the atom and mm -hmm. learned that there are a whole bunch more more little particles in there and then we, when we cut some of those in half and then it just it just got shit gets weird and and i do want to say on that note like we know so little about COVID-19 right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, especially in the United States, are doing such a bad job at widespread accurate testing. So mm -hmm. all this stuff that we were saying before, like, yes, we're referring to articles that we'll, we'll put in the show notes, but, you know, things about men are more susceptible to extreme cases or men are dying in higher rates. Like, this is all, like, yes, individual or even groups of scientists are saying this. Like, it's just everything you've got to take with a grain of salt right now. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much more to it and so much more complicated. Uh, but, you know, we are, <laughs> we're just a podcast of uh, two dudes chatting. And so yeah. this is more just like, you know, that, 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 those were our reactions when we saw those uh, articles and those claims. We're not trying to like claim to be scientists and right, saying right. this is the fact. So yeah, please don't I, don't take anything that we're saying, particularly about coronavirus, yeah, to I'm, be fact. I've always said that I'm a man of science and the fact that I'm very interested in the subject, but I don't have any sort of like real formal training outside of that one lab that I took in undergrad where I got to make a fuel cell out of hydrogen. <laughs> I just remembered that I took a science class in college. Isn't it bonkers? I, I just remember that I took a math course. 
I, I, I took. Oh, I, I did. I took math too. I this is tested, how you know where humanities kids were like. Yeah, oh. right. Oh, oh, math. The one with In the numbers. To all my yeah. English classes. Yeah, like I had actually tested out of math, and then I was like, I'm gonna be a chemical engineer, and I went Ooh. back to take a math course because I needed more math credits, and I was like, I am not gonna be a chemical engineer. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the middle of of the semester, remembering. Took, I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I took that class pass fail. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I took my phys- physics class pass fail, but it didn't, didn't occur to me until it was over that I had done that. And I was like, gosh darn it! But no, I uh, I'm really glad I remembered that because recently I was playing trivia with some friends and there was some type of science question. And I was like, oh man, I haven't taken a science class since like sophomore year of high school. And then I I realized that that was more than half my life ago. <laughs> And that made me feel real bad. Uh, so I'm glad that I at least took it, you know, t- uh, 10 years ago, <laughs> I took a science class. Uh, well, but I think that can that, transition us yeah, a little that's a, bit that's a, into that's our... a pretty damn good segue. <laughs> <laughs> I had a different one planned, though, and I still want to use it. So I'm just going to... Um, there's a, a great tweet that Bo shared recently, because I, I do, you know, we're about to start to talk about how we are turning 30, and if you were older than us and listening to this, I'm sure you're just going to be like, oh, these youngins having their existential crisis, or maybe you are some of our teenage listeners and you're, you're appalled at how old we are. Maybe you're Things to look been forward to, kids. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you've been following me for years and think that I'm 15. No, indeed, I am <laughs> twice that amount. But and, anyways, and, and I can say with your with your corn stash, I can attest to to your distinguished aged look. Oh, thank you. Yeah, maybe if I can. Here's the thing I've realized. So, uh, for anyone who is, I mean, we're the only two looking at each other right now. Yeah. So what am I saying? <laughs> um, uh, anyone who has not seen or, or heard on my social media, I've been trying to grow on a mustache because I have like the level of facial hair where like it takes a while to grow. So you can't. I you know I just if I'm seeing people every day. I can't just wait two weeks for it to get out of the awkward phase. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure if my mustache could get out of the awkward phase. And I feel like it just barely has now. And now I'm like, well, now I might never shave it because when will I be able to regrow it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to think that if it's visible over a video call, that now you have facial hair. Nice. All right. It's, it's almost visible. Depends on your... On the screen resolution, I guess. Uh, I I actually went up to, to my wife Sloan earlier and I was like, I think I might shave my entire face. What do you think? And she was like, no. Like, she, like, shut it down immediately. It was hilarious. I can't imagine you with, with no facial hair. I don't have a ton of facial hair. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not hard. but I think it's I, mostly your sideburns. Would you ever shorten your sideburns? I have before, and I really, really hated it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the reason why I even have, um, for those of you just listening and if you've never seen one of our videos, I have what I call metalcore burns, which are, like, the, the, the kind of, like, mutton chop sideburns that every hardcore frontman from every metal band had in the year, like, 2005, 2006. Um, because that's the only way that you can tell where my face ends. Otherwise, I just <laughs> I, I just kind of like blend into the wall and I look like kind of a disembodied head. I mean, literally, my like the the uh, attempt at a beard that's mostly just neck beard that I rock is also just sort of like, oh, I feel like there's not any uh, I don't know, like edges to my face without it. It's like seeing a cartoon without an outline. You, you just feel like you're fucking Zordon from Power Rangers, just like this kind of like semi translucent bald head floating around giving people orders i i have often thought that like facial hair is is kind of like makeup like for people with facial hair who don't wear makeup it's their makeup absolutely is yeah and for people with like particularly resplendent facial hair then it's their entire personality yeah 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually, I have a couple of friends who can, who can grow like mad good beards and I'm just like, all right, dude, you do you. That's great. Yeah. My, uh, my friend Dan has an amazing, amazing beard, mm-hmm. uh, and much other personality besides that. He's a fantastic individual, but oh, anyways, yeah. anyways, um, yeah. we're, <laughs> so we, we've been talking about, uh, the coronavirus and we, now we're, we're talking about turn 30 and I just wanted to share this tweet because yes, we are turning 30 and we both feel like, oh my gosh, we're like getting old, but we still make the cut for one thing. And I say make the cut, I should really say, um, we are in danger of this one thing and, and this is... <laughs> This is really serious. Um, I'm just loading it right now. Okay, so this was a tweet from Nicola Coughlin. I will link in the show notes. It says, I know this time of self-isolation is hard and scary for people, but however bad you're feeling, please, please don't consider starting your own podcast. <laughs> she adds, straight men under the age of 35 are particularly vulnerable to this, and we all need to be vigilant of the dangers. And I got seen absolutely red dragged <laughs> by that <clears throat> i'm talking like metal gear solid stepped into the guard's path and the exclamation point pops up like Whoop! sort of stuff like damn that tweet destroyed me i just gotta say we did start this before the pandemic this is true yeah so it's really more of like Although uh, technically the first episodes might not have come out until it had already been an issue abroad we so we dropped the first ones on december, december. 23rd yeah, I think patient zero, as far as we know right now in Wuhan, was uh, in November. Are you serious? Yeah, but also with how many people are asymptomatic, there's a lot of, um, I say speculation, but educated guesses among experts and scientists mm-hmm. and stuff that it, it started a lot earlier. Jeez. Whew. Well. Um. <laughs> so technically, we fell prey to this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Here we are. Just, just dudes with microphones mounted to our desks. Pretending like our opinions matter. Um, yep. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly who we are. There's no lie there. But at the same time, you know, we are taking advantage of uh, what you showed me in that, that SNL David Harbour clip of how <laughs> yeah. the, the distance of a podcast microphone and now a podcast microphone and a couple of zip codes provides uh, many masculine identifying people with the safety net that they need to open up and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the man that you've become and that I've become. So I just, I just want you to know that. <laughs> I can't even take you seriously. All right, we gotta start. The, we gotta start this main topic. Right, Forty cool. minutes in. Let, yeah. Let's talk. As we've said, in the coming month, about a month and some change. Yeah, for you, I'm, I'm, I'm T minus one month at date of recording. Yeah, that's true. I, I I have until I have until the end of May. Yeah, uh, my birthday is Gem- right at the start. His is right at the end. Gemini season. What up? I'm two faced. Um, I always wanted to be a Gemini. Stuck being a Taurus. It's fine. Like our our star sign isn't cool. It's it's twins. Yeah, I've always thought twins were super cool. I always wanted a twin. But it's uh, well, okay. Well, I will. I'm say- a bull. I can't even pronounce it. What bull? Bull. I don't know, bowl and bowl. Oh, wait, I did bowl, bowl. What's the thing you eat cereal out of? A bowl. And, a bowl. And, and, and now that we have our fancy microphones and, and our audio recording software, we'll be able to go back and isolate the moment you say bull, bowl. And bowl, bowl. And you'll be able to notice the sonic differences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just insert some slowed down repetition here. Yeah, this, this isn't a Minnesota bag bag situation. 
I've I've been told I have a bit of a Midwestern accent, which considering I only lived in the Midwest till I was two and a half, I'm a little upset about. But uh, they imprinted on you like vampires. Yeah, I mean, it's where I learned to talk. I said pop until I was like 12, even though I was living Amazing. in Texas. Super so. adorable. Anyways, you were saying, I don't know how we got here. Oh, birthdays. Uh, right, <laughs> Bir- birthdays. Uh, so yeah, it's it's happening. And, you know, for a really long time, I was just like, oh, it doesn't really, like turning 30 is not a big deal. But then I think about um, my head wants, to, wants it to be a 30th birthday, but it's actually a 40th birthday. I remember my mom's 40th what? birthday. Yeah. Why is it a 40th birthday? I don't like this. Well, I just remember have like we had all of like these black balloons that said like over the hill and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Oh yeah, and, for my mom's fortieth too. Yeah, yeah, and so it just reminds me that like some birthdays are like milestones and not just like the I can drive, I can drink, I can vote type milestones, but just like milestones of of where you are in life. Okay, so, I thought you were saying that like it, this is the equivalent of us turning forty. No, I was like, no I'm no, not no. ready to process that yet. No, no, there's actually <laughs> there's a lot of complicated feelings, you know, like. um like there's a part of me that's like more aware than ever of my like immaturities um Mm. and i'm actually kind of like taking stock of the things that i'm immature of and willfully choosing the things that i'm gonna remain immature about because i I like that i think that as you get older you have to retain a certain degree of like childlike humor a sense of wonder all those sorts of things that the world tries to take away from you and that part of that can manifest in being a little bit immature so like when someone says 69 if i yeah if i chuckle a little bit on the inside i think that i'm preserving a certain degree of that spark i'm i'm definitely in favor of that and i i like that you are giving serious thought to what you will keep and what you will you know try to get get better at um because i definitely I think there are things that we we should grow out of, um, you know, immaturities in being irresponsible or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lacking compassion or, you know, those types of things are probably good to grow out of. And I think people of all ages still have work to do <laughs> on those. Those are, you know, ever evolving. But being intentional about trying to be better people is is probably a sign of maturity. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the fact that I'm saying that I'm going to try to uh, uh, abandon my immaturities of like having a quick temper or being super defensive yeah. is is no guarantee that I'll be successful, but I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> and and it, 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 I don't know, it just got me thinking about like, oh, I had something and it kind of went away a little bit. Uh, bummer. Uh, just like where? Hmm. Well, I was going to, oh. um, one thing that I thought of while you, you were talking is, you know, I think the last time that you and I talk, spoke at length about turning 30 was last summer-ish. We were at that cool pinball bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think we were talking about how, so you this year, well, knock on wood, the world has changed, but hopefully we'll be running the New York Marathon. Yeah. Hope, yeah. Ho- hopefully i'm still i'm still training for it and i still got my my fundraiser although i'm not asking anybody for money right now because uh i think we we need to put that elsewhere right yeah yeah um but that was that sort of you know, you wanted to do it before or at 30 mm-hmm. um and so that was sort of your your turning 30 thing and i accidentally published a book and it was a memoir and i was like this feels like my i i accomplished something before 30 thing and mm-hmm. so i remember us discussing how uh neither of us felt a huge pressure to 
have a big celebration and we were kind of feeling okay about turning 30 because we felt like we, we had these big hallmark things we were able to accomplish you know in addition to like other great things that we've done in our lives but these were like particularly sort of tied to turning 30 mm-hmm. um i think as the days count down to my 30th birthday uh i have definitely felt less and less at ease i guess i don't know like i i it, i a year ago was definitely very comfortable just being like yeah i'm turning 30 whatever and now i'm like i don't know should i be concerned like i have less than a month of being (laughs) in my 20s (laughs) yeah should i turn 30 i do i do maintain and we'll get more into uh maybe we'll get more into this about um not being able to have celebrations but like i'm gonna i think i'm gonna stay 29 until i can have an actual party yeah i I think you should pandemic math you should be okay with being like 29 and six fourths (laughs) yeah um, no, I don't, I mean, and I do also, like, I think my version of assessing my immature qualities, which is a thing I perhaps should do, that was inspiring, thank you for that, <laughs> um, I think my version has been, um, self-consciousness, definitely over, like, the accomplishments and the place we are in our life, which I'd love to talk about more, but briefly before that, of the fact that I look so young, which less and less, I feel like I have visually aged a lot in the last year uh and if i keep the mustache maybe that'll really help but just so often like i get mistaken for like a high schooler i mean within the last year and a half i got mistaken for a middle schooler um and so it's it's it just really messes with your mind to be treated as half your age you know um and that's something that i even in the times when i feel very comfortable um about being 30 about entering that phase of my life and i feel like i'm i'm ready and that's you know just it all feels right and then i have that kind of thought in my head where i'm just like i know how i'm perceived when i'm out in the world and it really does mess with your head to be like perceived as half of your age when you're getting up to this this level of oh, age for sure yeah you know it's different from like oh people think i'm 16 and i'm 22 like no people think i'm 16 and i'm 30 30 <laughs> yeah I, I actually kind of feel a, a degree of that and i definitely see where you're coming from like it, it makes you feel I, I probably don't feel it as severely as you do uh where people are mistaking me for like 15 16 but i think you that do I, look young though yeah yeah, I think it's pretty easy for people to assume that I'm, you know, 24, 25, because I kind of look exactly like I did when I was 24 or 25. So do you remember the the glorious, glorious day we were at a bar and you got <laughs> carded and I didn't. And then you even got quizzed on your ID and you I, couldn't remember the address you have on your ID because yeah, you been, still had a Texas ID. It had been so long since anybody had asked me for those sorts of things to verify my age that I actually forgot my zip code. And I'm just glad that he didn't ask me for my like birth date because I would have forgotten that too. And I definitely would have looked like that 15-year-old who's sporting some gnarly facial hair and like using his older brother's ID to try and pass at a bar. Uh, <laughs> it was it was really weird. Um, and I think I that loved that, it. Oh, dude, <laughs> to a degree, I kind of loved it, too, because like I, I never I never even tried to like, you know, use a fake or to go to. any. no, of I the, never did either. Yeah. Any of the bars around around school that like notoriously didn't card. I was just like, no, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay at home and play, you know, Smackdown versus Raw. You guys ha- go have your have your shots. <laughs> and so like it was it was a little bit of having that experience that I never got. 
Um, but yeah, like I, I do look a little bit younger. And what kind of gets weird with me is the fact that I also perceive myself as younger than I am. Like my mental, yeah. my mental image of myself. Like, um, actually, you know what? This this is an interesting question, much re- related to the the viral thing that was going around a little while ago about like what which apple do you see? Oh yeah. Um, do you ever do like a third person video game view of yourself? Um, as someone who's not a gamer, I would say probably not video game, but I do have this weird thing where I like either imagine my younger self having gotten to like time travel and see me now, or like, this must be an existing paranoia from high school, but sometimes I like think that my high school teachers have like the security camera view of me and can see what I'm still doing today. Oh God. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember that one. I had that about, um, uh, I had that about like things that I'd be doing. This is going to sound really dirty and to a degree it's probably true, but things that I'd be doing like online on the computer. Like I thought that somehow Uh someone could like see like, and like nefariously, like see my act, my every keystroke and like actually see like where I'm moving my mouse. Um, Oh, I'm still paranoid about that. Yeah. And for all I know, NSA agents who are listening to me record this, um, it's, (laughs) it's exactly the case. But like what I'm talking about is like, how you picture yourself in your even your immediate memories like I, I i do this thing where it's like a video game is the closest approximation but it's really more like watching yourself in a movie where if mm-hmm. if i remember something happening i don't remember it through my perspective i remember it through like a camera perspective or like an over the shoulder view or something like that so like i can see myself okay. as well and whenever i think about that those sorts of things half the time the the image the avatar that i'm using is me at like 18 19 like i have Mm. i I have like my long hair and the the kinds of clothes that i would wear even if i know that i was wearing a different outfit that sort of stuff like all these things that identify me as that time period and because of that i tend to think of myself as still kind of like a like an 18 19 20 year old and Mm. what's what's fucking with me about that is uh, as I approach 30, I'm thinking about, you know, the fact that I'm about to be 30, but then I have this weird mental image of myself of being barely 20 and being like, yeah, I, I, I still have this like youthful look and more, more significant than that. I still have all this time in my life and, you know, this kind of like feeling of it's okay to not have all your shit together. It's okay to not have all your ducks in a row. And then I look at the the calendar and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, and it does that with like everything else like i'm thinking about um albums that i listen to i'll be like oh yeah man 2005 that's that's this album came out 2005 it's so good that was only like three years ago and i'll be like no 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 sir that's 15 years ago (laughs) yeah still still doing any math from the 1900s as subtracting from the year 2000 you're like yeah "Yeah, 1980 that was 20 years ago yeah (laughs) no it was 40 so like all that sort of perception of, of where I am in time is kind of fucking me up right now, um, which I, I, yeah. I like you, I was not really hesitant or, or, you know, kind of feeling some kind of way about turning 30. It was it was going to be another day. It was going to be another. I think my birthday falls on a Sunday this year. So it was just going to it was going to be Sunday. Uh, I was going to surprise. I'm not I'm not going to church, <laughs> you know, like just like every other Sunday. <laughs> um, but now, like when I think about um uh, just that relationship with time, it becomes a little bit more real. And so it makes me feel like, oh man, I should, I should be more mature by now. 
I should feel like I am in a, you know, more of a leadership role at work right now. I mm -hmm. should feel like, you know, I've made all these progress on all these projects. And that's another thing of, of, you know, time management in the time of COVID-19. Like, yeah, you see all the, the, the kind of like the live, laugh, learn, or the live, laugh, love of COVID-19 is the, now's the time to write that screenplay or whatever. And I hate all that. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. I hate the pressure that it puts on people. I hate that kind of expectation. Um, yeah. But at the same time, as somebody who always has wanted to write like a novel or or something like that, it's like, well, fuck, what am I doing now? <laughs> you're working, man. You're, you're working and you're you're processing the, the most like it, biggest turnaround thing that's ever happened in our lives as a society like i'm i'm just, sorry i'm just i'm so annoyed with that stuff because it's like all right cool we want to talk about how shakespeare wrote king lear when he was quarantined for the black death first of all it's hard to know that that was even the case because we don't have much data about what he was doing around the time but also he was already filthy rich by that time mm -hmm. and if he went back to stratford to do it he either wasn't living with his family because of this weird thing with his landlord or if he was like he wasn't doing anything to support them like he had zero responsibilities in his life except a slight pressure from king james to produce new content uh, <laughs> which he hadn't done for a couple of years i love like, that you just said produce like, new content that, that that puts it in like the 21st century <laughs> perspective <laughs> well what's funny is it, it i mean it kind of was like yeah. queen elizabeth like she wasn't the patron of his exact theater company at the time uh they they weren't like the the royal company under queen elizabeth and she didn't care that much for performances but king james was like nuts for having theater performances and also chose shakespeare's company to be like his official royal company That's and wild. so there actually was a lot of pressure for like a lot of plays to be being produced and shakespeare had been on kind of this downward slide of mm. not producing much um and the plague happened a lot back then like i don't want to like downplay how intense it was every time but like this wasn't like it was in 1606 when king lear was written like this wasn't an unprecedented time where this had never happened like the pa the plague had been popping up since here and there like since the 12 or 1300s and within shakespeare's lifetime this was like probably the at least fifth instance of the playhouses being closed due to the plague so Jeez. like he wasn't going through as much extreme like shock and anxiety and grief as all of us are now because something like this has never happened to us like, and oh, again bollocks another plague yeah, and again, the, the privilege situation of, like, writing King Lear, first of all, was his job. He didn't have a job outside of that, so anyone who's, like, you know, still has to be working, whether they're working from home or they're an essential worker, like, feeling the pressure to be like, you gotta write your great American novel right now, like, no. And, like, Shakespeare didn't have to take care of a family or anything because he was a man in the Jacobian era, like, it didn't <laughs> he didn't have responsibilities for child care, caregiving. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just so annoyed in so many ways by that stuff being no. thrown out there. Hey, I, I know I need to And I just that. went on a super nerdy rant about it. <laughs> Dude, that was incredible, actually. Just just throwing all that stuff about the context of Shakespeare's writing off the top of the dome. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. That was that's impressive. Um, so I am 100% here for that. But like, it's obvious that I kind of needed to hear that. So I appreciate that. And maybe there are other listeners, uh, prospective listeners that are tuning in that also need to hear that and, and kind of like see that perspective on COVID-19 for the bullshit that it is. At the same time, I do kind of think about, you know, just the, 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 
I don't know, the the looming thing. I, it's funny, the pandemic, the global pandemic should be the looming thing in my life. Um, mm-hmm. But to an extent, the liminal transitional period of turning 30 feels like the looming thing in my life. I think it's because right now mm. we're in the, we're in the thick of the situation, whereas this is something that's still further down the line. So like, yeah, that, those are the, the sort of the sorts of things that I'm wrestling with here is like grappling with um, my own self perception, how the world sees me um, and like whether or not that help that, that means that I'm being taken seriously as an adult and to like, you know, bring mm-hmm. it to tie it back into kind of the, the, the theme of the podcast, whether or not that means people are taking me seriously as a man. Um, mm. And I say man, not to, I not, not specifically for like the male identifying part, the masculine identifying part, but for man as in adulthood um, as, a, yeah, you know, yes. as opposed to boy, as opposed to kid. Um Oh man, I mean, I I think we've been planning on having a whole episode about that because I definitely have many things I could say on that. Uh, continue your thought, but there's uh, there's a couple things I want to tease out from what you were saying. Well, that 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 actually is the thought. Is that like the looming stuff? So it's funny. I thought that we would talk, we would start talking with like the lighter lighter hearted parts of us turning thirty. Nah, we, when do we? Yeah, do that? We, we've gone straight <laughs> for the throat, and so we're probably going to wrap up with the kind of goofy parts about being thirty. But yeah, that 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 that's what I'm thinking about is the fact that like in my head, I sometimes picture myself as being younger than I am, like not even just mm-hmm. like a cup by a couple of years, but like an entire stage of development. Um, to the outside world, sometimes people still perceive me as being younger than I am. And I think that that means that I kind of, and, 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 you know, to add one other thing, there's the pop culture that I've grown up with, which kind of, um, you know, in like the late nineties, mid two thousands, um, we were seeing really a lot of kind of, to an extent celebration also kind of a send up, but like a lot of, uh, saturation of like the, uh, slacker, man child um mm. archetype and i don't know it's because I, I i i love clerks i don't know it's because i love movies like friday i kind of identify with that and i think that there's a certain degree of like arrested development uh yeah like yes the show but also like the 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 concept <laughs> where like i see myself as like i don't have to have my shit together yet because this character on this show that i love or this character in this movie that i love you know he's 29 he doesn't have any of his shit together yet and i don't have to have my shit together until i'm 30 and now i'm like oh shit i'm 30 in like two months (laughs) (laughs) yeah um man i mean in terms of like you know having your shit together or or feeling like you have accomplished you know your your magnum opus and like that kind of pressure um i remember when we were talking last summer at that pinball bar and um i brought up something bar. i what i said it's a good pinball bar folks it's a great pinball bar and we're not going to tell people the name of it because i want to keep this <laughs> want to keep I, it i, I was going to ask which one but anyway that's true you hang out with me you get to know a lot of pinball bars <laughs> i found another one we got to go to by the way oh yes <laughs> things to look forward to anyway yes oh right gosh i hope they survive and reopen oh man um i didn't realize how much i love and cherish and spend time at bars and coffee shops oh until, dude until this happened and and just and how much i love the staff at each one and i'm just mm-hmm. like you know they're all laid off so that they can rightfully collect unemployment and that's good um and 
I hope some of them are probably going to find different jobs if the bar or cafe or whatever is able to reopen. And yeah. if that's better for them, I'm happy for them, but I'm going to be so sad to not see them anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a whole new landscape when we start going back to like our favorite bars, our favorite venues, yeah. our favorite restaurants. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that you have kind of a silver lining there is that maybe some of those people who who were working there as kind of like a, a stepping stone to whatever's next, maybe now that they're on to the next thing or they've, you know, maybe out of necessity, they move to a new town and they have more opportunities there or something like that. So maybe maybe there will be a silver lining there. But I definitely think that the whole landscape is going to be different and that, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, like when we make it through this, I'm, I'm hoping to be in the condition, uh, financially, mentally, spiritually, where I can be like, all right, I'm going to go and just drop as much money as feasible at, you know, in my, my local bar and restaurant scene mm -hmm. and, and help people get back on their feet. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, me too. Part. I've been running, been running my budget with regards to like, okay, where can I donate? Like what places, yeah. local businesses can I buy gift cards at? Um, and then also like supporting family and stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, but anyways, Last summer, <coughs> in brighter times, not brighter times, just different times, we yeah. were at a pinball bar. Uh, and <laughs> Previously. I said something, and I don't know how much you agree with it, but I, I'm going to repeat it because it will lead into something else. But, Go for it. Um, just basically how you, know, you and I have similar aspirations, I think, for our futures of um, the types of careers that we want to have, the the types of like towns that we might want to settle down in and that kind of thing. And um, I noted that whereas you have you know an element of your personal life together like you you are married to your best friend and it's great and you're both wonderful mm -hmm. um my personal life's more of <laughs> hot mess dead on arrival <laughs> um and but then my career side of things i mean uh, uh, i but i feel like of some of the career goals that we share i have maybe advanced towards some of them uh in ways that you have not yet mm -hmm. um and so I feel like we are, we have achieved opposite things, mm -hmm. uh, but so we sort of tie out in the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I, you know, but yeah, I, I was thinking about that today when I was thinking about like some of the ways that we might be feeling different pressures on turning 30. Um, uh, because I think I, I have a lot of the, the self-consciousness around career stuff and, you know, thinking I should have accomplished more, um, uh, I think I've told you this before, Bo, but I, I was last minute cut from the Forbes 30 under 30 when I yes, was in my early twenties and I've, I spent like the rest of my twenties just really wanting to be on the Forbes 30 under 30. And this mm -hmm. was the last year and it didn't happen. And every year, um, because I'm fortunate to, to know a lot of very cool people, there's always someone that I know who gets named on it mm -hmm. and a, a newer friend got named on it this year. And the thing that really struck me was like, I didn't even know she was younger than me. And oh. she's done so many cool things and written so many best-selling books. And I was just like, what? Uh, anyways, so the uh, point is that, yes, there are still things that I, I feel pressure that I should have done by this abstract age that we as a society have decided means something. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing that this whole pandemic has actually relieved some pressure on for me is... I was thinking about uh, just how this is going to have long lasting consequences, you know, for those, even for those of us who are in a more privileged position who, you know, will hopefully survive this and, and be financially okay. Like um, 
we might not be for a while. And, and like, just, I heard someone say early on of how, like, for millennials specifically, we all, like, graduated into a recession and we were just getting our shit together <laughs> when this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is going to be, you know, globally an economic challenge for a long time. Um, and all of the ways that there will be various consequences from that just made me start thinking, like, man, you know, if I don't, like, have kids until I'm almost 40, which is increasingly common and probably the case for me at this point, like, I don't feel as bad about that now because, like, that's just going to, that's going to be so even more common for our generation. Yeah. Um, and, like, and substitute in for that so many other things that are going to take people longer to achieve or, you know, just different, like, goals and stuff that will have had to change. And when you're able to, like, look back or relate to someone like, oh, yeah, well, XYZ happened to me because of the pandemic, they'll be, oh, yeah. Like, everyone will understand. There's sort of this, like, shared understanding through our shared experience of this, even though everyone's experiences are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. In a way, that kind of relieved pressure. I was like, well, I mean, there's nothing I can do about this. So, like, yeah, there's stuff I wish I had accomplished by now or different tracks I were on. And some of that's going to have to change now just because of my situation with regards to the pandemic. But that's happening to everyone. So it's kind of okay. Yeah, that it is really interesting that, like, you know, and, and every generation has this. Um, I, I say, like, as as a, a, a history nerd myself, like, um, my boss and I were talking about just the year 1918, like the the stretch of 1917, oh, yeah. 1918. And I was like, so much stuff happened in like the four year stretch between like 1916 and 1920. Cause you had World War One, you had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, you had the Irish Revolution, you had the influenza, and then you have like, you know, the 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 burgeoning of so many other things that, you know, the introduction of uh, of 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 prohibition and other things that would have like these really long lasting consequences throughout the entirety of the 20th century. And like Mm -hmm. we have, you know, some of our maybe not earliest memories, but definitely strongest memories for people within our generation are things like nine 11 are things like Mm -hmm. the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, shock and awe. Um, and now the, the financial crash, um, and now this, so like, you know, we, we, we kind of like are continuously running into these things that are maybe obstacles isn't the right word because that implies that, you know, life is a, is a, is a, what's like a straight line trajectory, which it's not. These are, these are the things that are, are adding the curvature to the trajectory of our lives. Um, but yeah, like we're all kind of experiencing the same dip. Um, and this is, this is a weird connection, but, um, did you see Hustlers? I didn't, but I, I know that I really, really should. A, it was fantastic. Uh, it was just like really well done. Uh, but B, like it, it opens up with some stuff taking place in 2007. Um, and, you know, kind of like this, like this foreboding, but positive thing is like yeah the the characters recounting the year 2007 she's like she was like everything's so good and you know we were making all this money and la, 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 la. and then like in the back of your head you're like oh but i know what's about to happen and it's the financial crash <laughs> and so everybody every character's life is impacted by it differently and it's it's it was interesting to watch that right now because a i can remember that um even though i was fairly insulated from it uh because i wasn't 
I wasn't working. I was just getting out of high school, that sort of stuff. So I, I didn't really have as much on my plate as far as like a, a, a hyper competitive, but opportunity dry working landscape or something like that. Uh, but just the fact that something like that impacts so many different people on different levels. And now here we are living through that. And yeah, it's, it's going to like, it's going to redefine what the trajectory of a life is. You know, I think we grew up with definitely like grandparents who got married in their teens and had their first couple of kids by their early twenties. And then parents who maybe got married in their mid twenties and had their first kids by 30. And now here we are, uh, a lot of people in our generation are getting married younger, uh, sorry, getting married later and having kids later. And that's just, that's the new normal. Yeah, it is. Like whenever I do the the math about that or, or think about, you know, for, for people who want to like have their own children <laughs> biologically, uh, it does sometimes worry me because like, you know, when you're past 30, 35 and giving birth, you're considered like a high risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then just thinking like, okay, if I don't have a kid till I'm like 40, I'm going to be almost 60 when they go to college and like, like all that kind of stuff starts getting scary. But mm -hmm. then on the, on the other side, like I think a lot of parents who, who wait until they're that age or maybe not intentionally wait, but like don't have kids till they're a little bit older, like are sometimes better parents because like think about how much we have worked through <laughs> like like sure sometimes you're a little bit more financially stable but but mostly just like as a person you've you've worked through a lot of your own shit before you bring other people into the world and, i mean like, i think that's good yeah like me personally I, I have friends who had kids uh at young age at young ages Ugh. why can't i say the sentence i have friends who had kids at young ages and they're doing great and like it it, it has become like you know this defining facet of their lives and they're so happy yeah. with their little families i know it I definitely works for some people i could not have handled that at like 22 <laughs> or 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 even like 25 like you no know, th th there's no no version of me that maybe, you know, just learning out of necessity. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just wouldn't have, have worked out well for anybody involved. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know that I have anything profound about this, but when you were talking about the different things that are, are very specific generation, not even like millennials, cause that is a, a big range, but us born in 1990 yeah, <laughs> have yeah. been through, I was thinking it's kind of interesting. Um, that like each of these these big things that happened happened at what was already and is already like a milestone time. So like nine eleven was the start start of sixth grade, um, which for me was the start of middle school, and like that would have already been a division in my life between like end of elementary school. You don't really remember hazy childhood memories, and then like when middle school starts, that's like a mm -hmm. whole different version of life, and then like the the start of the recession and like the Obama era all started senior year of high school, freshman year of college, mm -hmm. definitely a huge life change. And now this right as we're turning 30. And so it's, I don't, I, I don't know what to take from that, but it's interesting. It's that the universe hates nineties kids. <laughs> we, we got, we got uh, Gen, Gen X has been typically pretty screwed over. Too, yeah. Say. yeah, true. We, we got, we got Tamagotchis and Pokemon, but that's it. Um, th th those are the good things I'm getting, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I actually remember the years of the financial crashes, some of the times when I was like the most motivated. Um, and I think part of that was because I was kind of coming into a certain degree of political awareness and I had gotten to yeah. take part in the, in the Obama election. And I felt like, 
you know, my vote yeah. mattered. And I still feel like it does. But I definitely think that other things that we've seen since then, cough 2016, would imply that maybe they don't maybe, you know, it, 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 it tests that faith. Um, so yeah, um, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about um, so some of those those more shallow, lighthearted things that we had Ooh. we had thought about, we, namely just so so another thing in the like um, feeling okay about turning thirty and tying it to you writing a marathon, you you writing a marathon and me uh, <laughs> running a book. Yes, that is <laughs> I ran a book. I wrote a book. You were going to run the marathon. Um, uh, one thing that I had said around that was like, yeah, I don't really feel the pressure to like put on a, a big party because like that was my big thing. I can just do the same thing I do every year of have a couple of friends go to a bar or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but then as 2020 started and I got closer and closer to my 30th birthday, I was like, no, I do want to do something kind of special. I don't know what, and I didn't come up with anything. And I'm kind of glad now that I didn't come up with anything because my birthday being May 4th, uh, you know, I, right now New York is saying that all of this is only happening till the 29th, but I don't think everything is going to miraculously open by yeah, the next it's, it's, business it's day, which be. would be my birthday. And and for, for the record, you and I have talked about this. It shouldn't be an overnight change, you know, and any, no. and any good trend that we see should be looked at with a degree of cautious optimism because we do not want a second wave because it's very clear that here in the States, we were inadequately, inadequately prepared for the first wave. So... <laughs> Yeah. And, and just me as an individual, like, I think it's going to be a while before I feel comfortable, like being in the same space with, I mean, even just a couple of my friends, let alone like a, a bigger setting with, with crowds of people. Like I definitely want the reassurance of, of more testing and treatment and substantial downturn in numbers here in New York city yeah. bef before I feel even close to comfortable. Like, I don't think I'm going to feel, I mean, I may not ever feel back to pre pandemic levels of comfort um in large spaces and with health and sanitation and all that kind of stuff but like uh definitely won't feel close to comfortable until we have a vaccine which is going to be like 18 months from now so yeah. uh all that to say doesn't look like we're gonna have big parties this may <laughs> yeah i mean that's that 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 is kind of the the shallow thing that i keep on thinking back to because like last year when i turned 29 i had a big plan it was it was uh the first or the the last year of my 20s so like going back to that kind of like uh stunted growth man child archetype mm -hmm. from 40 year old virgin or uh what's another from from clerks or from uh waiting or slackers any of those other kinds of movies um i don't know what that says about my character <laughs> but um <laughs> like in that tradition I wanted to kind of like really steer into this is the last year of me being a stupid 20 something. And I wanted to do like paintball or laser tag or, you know, something else that's like going into like Dave and Buster's and just playing a bunch of video games <laughs> only like doing all the things that I would have done at like my 12th birthday. But now there's booze and like, you know, being like really, really ridiculous about it. And I didn't. I opted, you know, because like. The thing about the last couple of years is that I've been like tired constantly. Um, Speaking of getting old. Yeah. Right. And then I was like, I don't, I don't want to put the effort into putting it. And it's so it was expensive and all that kind of stuff um, to do something like laser tag. Uh, and then, so I was like, I'll just do it next year. And now, you know, all of my, I'll just do it next year planning for the big 30 is 
kind of amounting to nothing. Um, but you know, that, yeah. that, that doesn't necessarily mean like I've taken a lot of, I found like joy that I wouldn't expect in, in things that I normally hate doing. Like the other night I was on the phone with my grandma for like an hour. I don't hate talking to my grandma. I hate talking on the phone. It, it could be, <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be, it could be like if Neil Gaiman called me on the phone right now, I'd probably let it go to voicemail and just make sure that I called him back at some point. You know, like I, I, <laughs> I, I hate the phone that much, but the other night I talked to my grandma for an hour and I was like, you know what? This actually ain't so bad. So I'm trying to kind of mm. lean into the, the things that I would take for granted otherwise. So that I think that might be what my, my 30th birthday is like now is like, having a Skype call with my parents or something like that, you know, depending on, depending <laughs> on what the situation is like and where we're at. Yeah. You've got a little bit longer. Um, I think we'll, some stuff will probably be reopened by your birthday, but yeah, I mean, who knows what that'll actually look like. And mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I forgot that there was this big theme last year where I just noticed that everyone I knew who was turning 29 seemed to do the exact same thing of like, wasn't really sure how they wanted to celebrate. And when they got close to it, they were just too tired and we yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah. And I actually, I, I was trying to remember what I did for my 29th. I couldn't remember. And I, I just remembered I happened to be on a trip with friends. It wasn't like scheduled for my birthday. Mm -hmm. So they did like a nice little surprise. They made me a cake. And like, that was, that was very fun. It was just a thing that happened on the trip and I had told people like oh maybe I'm gonna do this big thing back home when I get back and it like the weekend of it came to it and I just told everyone it was like I I don't want to see anyone I, I don't <laughs> even want like five of us to go to a bar I am exhausted I want to go to bed at 9 30 tonight okay bye <laughs> <laughs> I well, forgot that's well, what I did I think that means that like maybe we're starting to get to the point where we're no longer having to like synthesize and manufacture our joy and we can just take joy in the things that are actually joyful to us, like watching a movie by yeah. ourselves and not having to deal with hosting and planning or anything like that, or not having to shell out a whole bunch of money or going to bed early or something like that. And, you know, that's OK. Yeah, I've definitely I've already been thinking my birthday is on a Monday. Mm -hmm. And so I was never going to celebrate on the actual day. Anyways, I was going to I host trivia on Monday nights and I was kind of excited to like host trivia on my birthday and like see some friends and, and people at the bar and stuff. And that of course is not going to happen. Um, but I've already been thinking about the specific local business that I'm going to order some takeout from, I'm going to have a big old delicious meal by myself. Uh, and yeah, maybe watch a movie or TV show. I mean, in reality, I will probably end up on the phone and, and video calls with people all night, but that's not a bad birthday at all. No. Yeah. I mean, we are, Luckily, we, we do have the technology. We're like, even though we can't yeah. see people, we can still bring them into our lives. So that's another thing that will kind of help us get through this time. You know, it's it's that we're, I was joking about it earlier, you know, being being together without being together. But it, it is kind of a, it's an interesting thing that while we're facing down this disease, the the conveyance of which is human contact we're just finding all these other ways to actually reach out to people. Yeah. I mean, it blows my mind to think about, um, both mental health wise and economically 
how much worse this this would have been had this happened in the 90s mm-hmm. like even just the 90s or yeah. even just the early 2000s oh man could you imagine like trying to log on to like aim right now <laughs> but, like on, yeah on, i mean on, I, on, like a dial-up all the news uh websites crashed on 9-11 jeez that's why so they just never had that many people trying to access them at the same time before yeah yeah that's another interesting but thing. just yeah yeah like oh go ahead well i was just gonna say another thing about like you know the, the the stuff that our section of the millennial generation has been through i feel like because um we've been growing up as the internet has been growing up that our mm-hmm. capacity to access information about what's going on in the world and our capacity to archive it and our capacity to opine on it has made these situations that you know otherwise we might depending on where you are geographically and socioeconomically, there might be a certain degree of insulation from. Um, but now that kind of doesn't exist. Uh, like I, I, I remember to, to again, like where were you on 9-11? I didn't know what the World Trade Center was. No, me either. I loved the Twin Towers. Didn't know they were called the World Trade Center. See, I didn't even know what the Twin Towers were. I, I, I just wasn't even that familiar with the New York City skyline. I thought the Chrysler Building was the Empire State Building for a really long time. Um, so the gravity of the situation was lost on me until probably midday on September 12th, which is, you know, still pretty soon after, but I didn't have that immediate visceral reaction. Watching all this unfold and seeing news from, you know, from Europe and seeing, you know, Italy's on lockdown and this is the death rate in Spain and this is what happened in Germany and all that kind of stuff, like unfolding moment by moment has made it so real. And so I think that that capacity makes anything that we experience as time marches on much more um, immediate. Immediate for sure. Yeah. And then the fact that we can then look back on it makes it more real. And the fact that we're all kind of like, even if it's something like sharing a meme, it, like you, you, you see, like, like I see my friends that I grew up with in Texas sharing the same memes that my friends that I have here are sharing. And that's indicating more and more this like shared experience. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> One thing that I keep telling people uh, throughout this this weird time in our lives that we're in, especially people who are lucky enough to be able to work from home and still have jobs where they are working from home but are feeling frustrated by the fact that uh, they think they're not good at working from home, like maybe they've never worked from home before, I keep reminding them that this is not a normal time and that even those of us who have worked from home for almost a decade are struggling with it too Mm -hmm. uh, because it is such a weird time that it's very tough to concentrate um that's that's one of the the biggest sort of symptoms i think of of this stress and and for some of us anxiety moment is lack of concentration and i feel like that is uh reflected in our podcast today (laughs) like we just we keep jumping all over but also like keep going back to what this big thing is that's weighing over us you know you you said a few minutes ago that you you a little bit feel like turning 30 is weighing on you more but is it I would say, you know, if I had to immediately conjure up a metaphor, if I'm a boat 
Turn, mm-hmm. Turning 30 is a storm that I see that I'm about to go on, like go into. So it's like mm-hmm. there, but it's bounded. Whereas mm-hmm. the COVID-19 situation is the ocean. Mm. You know, it, okay. it's, yeah. it, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's under the surface. It's, you know, there are moments where it's very calm. There, there are moments where it's incredibly violent and present. So yeah, that, that's, that's the closest weird, oddly specific analogy that I can come up with where like, yeah, the, 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 the 30 thing seems like something that's, that's hanging over me. Whereas the COVID thing is something that seems like it's literally surrounding me and encompassing me. I think that for me, uh, the ocean is still COVID-19 is still the pandemic turning 30 is like this port that I've got a dock at. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is maybe this like really, really big one that I've been working up to for a long time, but is still sort of turned into, and, and maybe it's like, like a, a a career milestone or something like that. But it's something that I keep forgetting that I have to do and and getting (laughs) annoyed that it's going to happen. Um, yeah, don't forget to turn 30. Yeah. Well, I just feel like there's stuff I got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it for, for me that complicates it is um, this year is also my five years uh, since coming out and starting transitioning. Mm-hmm. So two weeks before my 30th birthday will have been my five years on testosterone. Two weeks after my 30th birthday will be my five years coming out publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got all these other big milestones, and especially being a trans person on the internet, you feel a lot of pressure to produce content uh (laughs) surrounding those types of anniversaries so i just feel like there's a lot that i have to do uh in some ways i'm very relieved that i don't have to plan a party like you were saying earlier you don't feel the responsibility to host because my gosh i have too many other things to do yeah yeah i'm too busy to turn 30 (laughs) well good thing you're postponing it then yeah i'm postponing until after the pandemic i'm too busy i mean I, i will say there's a lot of stuff um in my life that i am in some ways I don't want to completely say I'm using this as an excuse not to do, but I think this knowing or sort of like being softer on myself um, and knowing that like, hey, it is going to be harder to concentrate. It is going to be harder to be as productive as you want to be. And like, there's all these things happening in your life and like, you know, respect that. Um, I think I'm doing a little bit better than I ever have before at kind of prioritizing and saying no to things. Mm hmm. Uh, cause I'm so bad at both of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm just constantly over committing to stuff and not being able to do everything. Uh, and one thing that's coming out of this experience for me right now is like knowing that this is such an exceptional time in all of our lives and knowing how it's affecting me individually, like is just helping me be able to be like, nope, don't need to do that right now. That is not a thing that needs to happen right now. Or like you can tell that person no and they will understand. Yeah. No, I, I think this is, you know, as as much as it's laying raw some of the inherent cruelties of life in contemporary America, it's also kind of like showcasing a lot of people's co- uh, capacity for compassion, whether it's for mm. one another or, or for themselves and like learning how to give yourself a break because you know this is a this is a big thing to be confronting um and like being being patient being extra patient with people but also being extra patient with yourself yeah 
And I do, yeah, I, I do want to say, like, that is not to say that I'm not absolutely terrified by this whole situation and distraught and, um, you know, we're both in pretty privileged situations, but have definitely been, been touched by it in some, in some ways. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I guess I just want to sort of check ourselves on the fact that yeah, this yeah. is a bad thing and it's really, really, really bad for a lot of no, people and yeah. we're trying to find some silver linings, but yeah. Yeah, that that's I think that that that's good. Like I'm I'm never I'm not going to look at this moment and be like, oh, this is the best thing that could have happened to me, uh, <laughs> or something like <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. It, it's just the fact that like when when you're facing any of these things, you have to take whatever what little victories you can get. Um, yeah, I got to find some light somewhere. Yeah, to get through it. Yeah. Um. um all right, I, this is going to be our longest episode we've ever done. Oh, today, I was I was yeah. just going to say if you had some final thoughts, it sounds like you do. Oh, I, I will keep it short. Um, another thing that that I think about when uh, turning thirty feels daunting is the fact that it just doesn't really mean what it used to. You know, like yeah. Uh, and I know that we're in the middle of like large global changes, but I'm still kind of subscribing to the notion that. 30 isn't really like midlife anymore. I think I think part of the reason why 30 got so much value ascribed to it is that for a really long time, you know, people were living to be 65, 70 years old. So 30 was was kind of like a little bit of a peak. Um, but, you know, now because of medical science and modern technology, people are living longer, typically. Um, and so I think that it doesn't it lacks some of the uh, the existential punch that it used to. And that is something that I'm kind of like looking looking at uh, whenever things do feel a little bit heavier. And then also the fact that like, you know, getting older doesn't mean that anything gets necessarily like slower. And I think this is me coming from the perspective of like a metal listener where a lot of the <laughs> a, a, a lot of the, the big metal bands are metal bands that were big in the 80s. And you look at some of the front people that we have to choose from and they're kind of like they're icons that became iconic when they were older. Like I think about Lemmy from motorhead who, mm. you know, had a very long career and like all throughout the seventies and eighties, he was already iconic. But I feel like in the nineties and the two thousands, when he's reaching his late sixties and seventies and he was just this hard drinking chain smoking, you know, mutton chopped, guy in a cowboy hat for some reason he became not not just iconic but like legendary and so i think that age kind of adds that is a certain degree of mystique to people um because you know they've they've been through some shit and also they've survived some shit like i think uh, another like idol of mine is james hetfield from metallica who you know, he's been in and out of rehab a couple of times. He has been open about his personal struggles. Uh, he's really uh, open about like how he tries to navigate his emotions as a man. Um, and, you know, he's he's the riff lord. He's he's like he's the driving force behind the biggest metal band of all time. And if you look at him in pictures now, he looks fucking great, too. So, like, you know, there are like there are ways to look at aging not necessarily as like a a daunting thing because it doesn't ha it doesn't have to be it's what it's what we do yeah 
No, I I love that. I mean, I I definitely think I I think for the most part I'm really happy about turning 30 and I I am so excited to sort of just be in this phase of my life where I know who I am a little bit better and um, you know, feel like I can, I've just wanted to sort of like, <laughs> you know, this, like, I just want to like settle down, <laughs> like move to a small town. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I just feel ready for that phase of my life where certain elements of it, maybe I am kind of slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, but other elements, like I'm just getting started, you know, like there's, yeah. um, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I've had trouble articulating it but i guess it's it's similar to everything you've been saying um but just sort of getting back to the like do we actually feel this age thing and like for the most part i really do like i feel maybe even older than 30 um (laughs) and and i and i love that and i'm while at one time in my life i did sort of feel in that arrested development of like late teenage years like it's been a while since i felt that Mm -hmm. um i have definitely felt like an adult for a while and i think i'm kind of excited for my you know age to reflect that in some ways yeah i think i'm i'm i think you're you are a little bit further along on that track i think that's why i'm kind of like wrestling and and having to look at like my my elder statesman of metal for inspiration (laughs) is because i still maybe have a couple of hang-ups about where i am in life where i thought that i would be by this age part of it is because i wasn't quite sure if i would make it to this age um yeah so like i didn't really have a plan for it um but i think Hmm. i think that you know what i'm hoping to get to is is to a point of like intentionality where it's like you're talking about knowing yourself a little bit better like i kind of i want to get to that point too and and be like okay this is this is what i'm going to be on on this day of my life yeah i think for me it's a little bit more that I spent a lot of my early adulthood so far, like looking back in time mm-hmm. um, and wishing things had been different and, and wishing I could have changed things. And one thing I realized when I was writing my book was like, I am so sick of looking back. Mm-hmm. I don't know what forward is, but that's the direction that I want to look and that's what I want to focus on. Ooh. And I think that realization has been like one of the things that has helped me with this the most of, yeah. of being okay with being 30. No, that that's 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 strong sauce right there. <laughs> I no, I really like I don't know what forward it is, but that's the direction that I want to be going. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Nice. All right. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that I remembered that because I hadn't actually thought of that in a while and makes me feel feel better, but I'm glad it resonated with you. Yeah. Maybe it helped you feel a little bit better. Yeah, I don't feel um, bad about turning thirty, but I just I just feel about turning thirty. That let, 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 let me let that's me, let, mm, that's real. <laughs> I'll put it that way. That, but, that resonates with me. But but I think what I'm trying to get to the to the point is where it's uh it's less feeling all the things and more of like you know choosing to feel like yeah forward is where I'm going. I will say bringing it back to the whole like you know not getting to have a party kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, I that might be one thing that maybe does bother me about that a little bit mm-hmm. is um it almost is going to feel like it didn't happen. Yeah. Like this whether we want it to be a milestone or not, whether we want it to feel momentous or not, like it is in mm-hmm. in this society and culture that you and I happen to live in, 
Um, and to think that my turning 30 is going to be waking up and doing the exact same thing alone in my apartment that I have done for all of this quarantine and like maybe hopping on a video call and ordering a burger to my house and then going to bed and not doing anything super big to market. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I guess like for everyone like birthdays are you wake up and you do the same thing that you do the day before and the day after but i don't know somehow having a celebration marks it somehow i don't know yeah no that that is that is what i feel when i think about like you know the possibility of not getting to do something for it like i know i know you're right that by the time my birthday rolls around more stuff will probably be open but I just don't. Think I don't that, know if I want to go to your birthday. If you have a birthday party, I don't know if well, I'm going to want to yeah, go. That, I'm just going to be straight up, man. That's the thing. I don't <laughs> know if scary. people are going to be comfortable going out. I don't know if I'm going to want to go out. Uh, and you know, it definitely will feel different um, to not market market. But you know, there there are there are small ways I think that you can mark milestones. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, like big parties or big gatherings i'm trying to think like i usually do them with food you know like um yeah same i'm trying to think of the of a, of a great example but oh uh graduation when i graduated from college um so since sloan and i were in different schools we had we had like the big all all school commencement which you know we went to or whatever um but she had one on one day and i had mine like either earlier that same day or like the day before or something like that. We, we were, we weren't together um, for, for part of it. And part of that was because of like, you know, the limited amount of tickets that you have for your family or whatever. So I went to fucking smack. Did you ever go to smack? No, nah, cause I'm lactose intolerant. They, they got, Jeez. if they come through this, they have lactose free. Um, but yeah, so I went, it, it's this place uh, that just does macaroni and cheese. And I got like the largest portion that I could get of the cheeseburger macaroni and cheese, took it back to our apartment and just ate it. Like, <laughs> like that was, that was my party. <laughs> and so like, you know, there, there, there are little moments like that where even if it's not necessarily uh, a big to do, it can feel, it can feel like you're patting yourself on the back, I guess. Yeah. And not just because you're yeah, choking on the fact that you ate your macaroni and cheese too fast. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> well, stay tuned. Follow our social media and see what we end up doing for our for our 30th birthdays yeah. this year. Um, we, before we completely go for the day, though, we do still have one more segment that we need to do. Yes, I was like, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Because we have been at this for a hot minute. <laughs> it, this is a long episode. This is what happens when we're not in a studio where we get kicked out at a certain time. Yeah, for sure. M- many thanks to the YouTube space for hosting us on so many other occasions. Uh, but this has given us a certain degree of uh, we're drunk with power right now, I think. <laughs> and only power. Yeah, only power. Drinking water. It's a Tuesday. Um, um, but anyway. <laughs> it is Tuesday. How about that? <laughs> All right, let's move on okay. to just the tip. Just the tip. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
Uh, I have no preference, but I I do want to say we're unless you want to edit it in later, we're not going to have a a sound effect because I'm too tired to figure out how that would work for the MacGyvered audio that we're doing right now. Oh no, yeah, fuck that. I'll just I'll just give you a three two like a three two one when we're at it. Yeah, same. Okay, cool. And and, and I can do I can probably edit a sound effect in at some point. In, we'll fix it cool. in post. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, do do you care if you go first? No, or not second? Really. Oh no, I'll go. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm. You ready to go? I'll start the timer in three, two, one. All right. So for my edition of just the tip this week, this episode, whatever we don't do this weekly. Um, what I the the, the kind of emotion that I want to express. Uh, is one of gratitude and it's it's kind of a silly little thing um but and and i hope it doesn't come off as like snobby but in this time where people are like having to panic buy their groceries and they're having to buy stuff that is like shelf stable and you know try to be smart about their food choices i'm really glad that i learned how to cook um i feel like that's something that men aren't really expected to do Um, but because of being with my wife and she's a fantastic cook and I had never really cooked like vegetables or anything like that until I was with her. Now I actually know how to put together a meal. And a lot of times what we've been able to do is like just dig around in the the back of the fridge and work with something. And it's really great to improvise. Yay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Can you hear the, can you hear the timer? No, not at all. Okay, I was like, it's in my headphones. I can hear it, and I couldn't turn it down because then I wouldn't be able to hear you talking. <laughs> oh man! All right, all right. Well, like, um, I, I got it out there. No, that I guess. was great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that, right. and that's not to knock anybody who is living off of like ramen noodles or canned food. I had spaghettios earlier today, so I'm not only cooking, but it's definitely made this uh, easier. And uh, you know, again, you take the victories that you can get. Anyway, mm-hmm. you ready? Yeah, this is me hot mess. Okay, let's lean into it. Starting in three, two, one. All right, so I actually changed what I was going to talk about, but I want to talk about something that, uh, a very weird thing that brings me joy. Um, So 11 years ago, in 2009, my parents divorced. It happened right at the end of the semester. So I came back from college. My mom had moved out, and I was just like alone in this big house. Well, not alone. My dad was there. Anyways, uh, that year, Susan Boyle was on Britain's Got Talent, and I discovered this show, Britain's Got Talent, and I got really into it. Um, And I kept watching it every spring, anytime it was on, and um, particularly the hosts of the show, Aunt deck brought me a lot of joy and i started watching all of their other shows and i really really love watching them and i literally just like smile subconsciously while i watch them uh and every spring is britain's got talent and somehow spring has often been hard times for me uh and right on cue this year britain's got talent is premiering again on saturday and it has just become this thing that like brings me joy in the darkness as stupid of a show as it is uh and yeah i'm really happy it's coming back because i need it one Perfect. I gotta say, you you nailed that too. Um, oh, thanks. I, I'm 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 really glad that that I'm glad that there that that's coming back. Like another thing that's been helping me get through is some like my favorite cooking shows are still airing. Um, and and I started watching Lego Masters, which is like a competition show for building with Lego. Oh, I keep getting ads for that. Will Arnett's the host, right? It is worth it. 
I and, definitely, yeah, I would and, definitely and yes, check it Will, out. Will Arnett is the host, and in the first episode, he says Legos and then does like a you know hand to ear kind of gesture, like, oh, what? It's supposed to be Lego? Oh, oh, that's so the plural is Lego. So to the eagle-eyed observer for a Christmas episode, I didn't know that until you pointed it out, and now it's all I can see. So thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I I looked it up, and it's apparently you know Americans say Legos and. Maybe it's not quite correct, but there's a lot of Americanizations of English that are kind of acceptable now. And as usual, we're wrong, though. Um, But anyway. Yeah. All the... Yeah, well, speaking of, of the English, quick note on Britain's Got Talent, yeah. it is coming back for half of it, at least, because they shoot all the, like, audition episodes earlier on in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but jury's still out. If the live shows, they do a whole series of, like, live right, yeah. performances uh, later on in the, the season, which would be end of May-ish, and I don't think that's probably going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how they do it. Yeah, hopefully they can. I mean, this is... Go ahead. I was just going to say, hopefully they get creative and either stretch out the timeline or figure out a way. Yeah, that's it. We're all we're all having to get creative and figure out how to do things. You mm-hmm. know, Every, everything is brand new in a way. <laughs> we just got to used to we have, to we have to get used to not knowing yeah. things not being what they were. Oh, buddy. Into the great unknown. Yeah. Um, well, it's. To anyone still listening, thanks for sticking around for our longest <laughs> yet episode. Most um, free form. Yeah, we do. We do still. I, and I'm not actually positive on the order, but we do um, have at least one other episode that we did already shoot in the studio with the video component. Um, or if you haven't seen old episodes and you want to watch them, you can look us up on YouTube. Uh, I think our YouTube URL is youtube.com slash C slash everything's bigger. I don't know. Search believe, everything's bigger on YouTube. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, while we are in lockdown and who knows how long it's going to last, we will continue recording this way. And honestly, the overall workflow, I believe, we'll know after this, but I think it's a little bit easier. So maybe we'll even have more episodes come out. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I am, um, I am so make sure you for trying. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll see. Bo's computer is not great. <laughs> That's probably the biggest challenge at the moment. But we work what um, we got. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcatching app. We're on all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not subscribed already, and definitely leave a rating and review that helps people find the show. Uh, and you can follow uh, us on yeah, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, which is the same thing. Um, that is, those are the same platforms. Yep, <laughs> Spotify, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can also follow us individually, or you can follow us uh, the podcast on social media at Bigger Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us individually. Uh, follow Jack at Jack is not a bird. Uh, you can follow me at my shiny new handle, which is inadvertently appropriate. Uh, that's L underscore enmascarado, which is a riff on the Spanish word enmascarado, which means the masked man. Wow. Good. Yeah. You you were ahead of the game on Oops. being masked, having your mask on. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, now I have a, a collection of masks. Unfortunately, in true luchador fashion, none of them cover the mouth. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, luchador masks do not cover. So I was like, oh, I've got one of those masks. Nope, not going to help. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so, Jack, thank you for uh, rolling with the punches on this and for going remote on this guy and being patient with my shitty computer with me. 
Yeah. One one more quick thing. We announced this on our social media, so follow BiggerPod on Instagram or Twitter so you don't miss these, but we were going to be doing a big James Bond marathon oh, yeah. this month to, to coincide with the new James Bond movie. Because that movie was postponed, we decided to postpone our Bondathon episode. Um, you can right. still go to our social media to see the select movies that we are still going to be watching. I have not watched all of them yet. The whole point is that I have not watched them while Bo is a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to to follow along and sometime before November is when it's coming out, right? Yeah. So uh, it was originally scheduled for like this week. It was supposed to be out like now, um, uh, the first week of April, but it got postponed to November, which I actually think works better because that's the traditional bond release month because mm-hmm. it coincides with Ian Fleming's birthday. Um, so yeah, so that's mm. what I think that's what we're going to shoot for now. And we have our everything's bigger, best of bond, uh, one movie per bond, watch list but now that we got so much time on our hands uh to a degree i don't know about you but i'm gonna shoot for watching them all and see what we i don't can think get. i'll get all of them i'm gonna but see i'm definitely gonna get. watch yeah I'm, I'm gonna try to watch more than just the list also great recent development um the only ones that were on any streaming service like if you subscribe to streaming services um without having to pay extra for the movies the only ones were pierce brosnan were on netflix but now Apparently, all of them except Daniel Craig movies are on Amazon Prime. So if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you don't have to pay per movie anymore. Yeah, and a bunch of the Conneries ended up on Hulu as well. So basically... Oh, interesting. Yeah, if you have any sort of these streaming services, which uh, probably now are, are, you know really the th- really things to have. Um, Free trials. Yes, dig into it. Um, you can find Bond in so many different places. He gets around. <laughs> that's true <laughs> all right it is way past time for us to wrap up this podcast all right thanks for sticking around thank you jack thank you prospective listeners everybody wash your hands and stay fucking safe out there ditto. i'm bringing back the ditto from the 90s <laughs> nice uh i'm gonna stop all right recording i'm gonna now. stop okay yeah go. i'm gonna stop recording now I'm pleased to report that I could not hear you peeing. Yes! <laughs> so hopefully your coworkers have not either. Oh, man. Depending on my mood. <laughs> well, that, that's how you want to get back at them? Yeah. <laughs>